Hey, Hope Chapel! Yeah, yeah what's up? I love Anne Marie's accent. Sorry, I don't mean to tease her. Lucky charms. Okay, all right. I'm done. I love I love Anne Marie. Whatever. Oh, is she here? Sorry. That's awesome. Um, hey guys, I'm here. My name is Tom. I'm Pastor Tom. Carl's still in Japan. Ralph is still in Japan. Um, before we do that, uh, before we get into the uh, sermon, I have some business to do. How many of you guys noticed um, the handicap stalls when you came up here? It might, or you just kind of didn't even notice and you just parked in them. How many of you guys parked in them? Um, they're over there, so keep in mind, those are for the handicapped. And we have some special stalls too, right, for women with children, right, and all that. Am I saying all the stuff that I need to say? Just basically the authority that I have from Colin Ralph, don't park there. That's what I'm saying right now. Okay, unless you're handicapped. All right. Okay, there you go. Um, are you guys ready for the word? Now let's pray. I mean, seriously, I'm kind of excited. Worship was, oh my gosh. How many guys were just going, worship? I mean, it was like, it was good tonight. Guys, seriously, the presence of God. God is good all the time. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, I pray, Father, that we um, enter into your word with a heart of worship, a heart of just you are so far above anything that we can imagine, Lord, that you are greater than, than we imagine you, Father God, that you're bigger than we see you, God. I pray that you would bring revelation into our hearts, that, that we would see you how you really, really are, God. And I pray that you would be here, Father God, be with Ralph and Carl. Um, Lord, uh, uh, hearing from Carl, they're doing amazing stuff over there. And so I pray that you'd bless them, God, that you would um, expand their ministry there, that you expand their influence, expand, expand your influence there, Father God, that we would see uh, a, a revival in Japan. And I pray that we would be a part of that, God. We would have the honor and privilege of uh, being a part of a big thing that you're going to do in Japan. So we pray that in Jesus' precious name we all say, amen. amen. All right. Okay, so tonight I'm pretty excited um, we have a pretty encouraging um, sermon. It's called God Chooses the Nobodies. Really encouraging, right? That's right. I'm calling all of you nobodies. <laughs> we are kind of all nobodies. And um, in a world, right, I mean, you're pretty much a nobody unless you have like, a, I mean, anybody here have like a thousand people following them on Twitter? Really? No, you're not. It's a liar. It's like, no, that's not true. I mean, pretty much uh, if you're somebody in this world, you got to be like super famous. You got to be in the movies or you got to be super rich or you got to be like Steve Jobs or you, you got to influence the world in a great way. Like you're somebody, right? In today's world, in this, like seriously, in the internet and everything, really a lot of us are just kind of nobodies. And I want to tell you one thing. God loves the nobodies. Seriously. Now, if you're, if you're like thinking, you know, you just called me a nobody, I'm a somebody, well, maybe you are. Um, God wants to use you too, okay? I want to know who you are, actually, if you feel, still think you're somebody. But pretty much in the, in the bigger picture, we're kind of like nobodies. I had my 15 minutes of fame like a couple years ago. Um, I, I, I've been on the news a couple times. Um, sometimes I didn't want to be on the news. Um, well, you figure that out. But there was one time I was on the news when... Um, uh, the city asked me to bless the, the skate park down there. And so I was like, oh, shoots, I, I, I'll do it. I used to skate. I'm like, I'll bless that skate park when they first built it. And then so I was talking for, to Ralph. I'm like, how do, you, how do you do a blessing? What do you She's all, dress real nice. Dress like, like a businessman in downtown. I'm all, okay. 
I guess I, that was kind of like a cut down from Ralph. He's all, dress real nice, Tom, because look at the way you're dressing now. It ain't good. <laughs> so I have my like real, you know, my top Aloha shirt, belt, slacks, my nicest shoes. And, you know, there was like the full podium there. And they gave me like a lay and everything. And um, there was a whole bunch of like, nobody that skated was there. And there was just, the city was there, and politicians, and the news was there, and it was this big thing. I'm in the podium, I'm praying for a blessing. And the funny thing is I knew the cameraman that worked for whatever Channel 2 News or whatever it was. He's all, hey, Tom, dude, grab a board. Let's see you skate. I know you used to skate. I'm all, yeah, shoot. She's like, I grabbed the board from some kid. <laughs> and I started skating and like went up the ramp. I did a grind thing like, like this, right? And he's filming the whole time, and I saw the news. It's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm in my slacks, my nice Aloha shirt, my nicest shoes, and I'm like, I'm like fully doing a grind on the ramp, went up the ramp and everything. I didn't eat it. That was my 15 minutes of fame. I'm somebody. <laughs> Woo! And that's pretty much it, guys. But other than that, we're nobodies, right? But I want to tell you, um, God is in the, is the business of transforming nobodies into somebodies, making the ordinary people into extraordinary. Not so that you can brag about yourself, so that you can go, look what God made me into, woohoo! So that you can reflect the glory back to God, okay? And God wants to do that. He wants to raise up the nobodies to confound the somebodies in this world that rule the world, that say that, that the gospel is foolishness, right? All the people out there going, oh, I got enough money, I got enough material things, I got enough fame, I don't need God. Right? Those people that are influencing the world. He wants to use us, the nobodies, to rise up and, then, and reflect the glory of God so it confounds and belittles the things that the world really puts up in high esteem, but really we should be putting Jesus in high esteem. Okay? Are you guys hearing me? Yeah. God wants to use us. And so I think this is a very, very, very encouraging word, and I hope you believe that. I mean, like I said, God is in the redeeming and transforming business. We just saw that. Were you guys amazed by that? What's her name? Tasha was transformed and redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ. With the Satan meant to steal and kill and destroy, God took that. And look at her. She had the smile on her face. She's crying, not because she was sad, because she was filled with the joy of the Lord. But you look in the Bible, all these nobodies, seriously, that's God's M.O., don't you guys think? God's M.O. is to take nobodies and use them for the glory of God. I mean, think about it. I'm reading through the Bible right now. I'm reading in Genesis. I wrote about Joseph, right? That guy was, there's 12, 12 brothers. 11 of, them, 11 of them decided, this one, not too good. Let's get rid of one of them. They got rid of one of their brothers, right? He ended up, like, in jail, right? You guys know the story. He ended up in jail. He was in jail. He was a nobody. He was thrown away pretty much. I mean, he could have been forgotten for the rest of history. No, he, God took him out of that. He became the second in command of Egypt, right, and saved his brothers in, in the meantime. And it was this amazing thing. Joseph is a prime example. Moses, right, the story of Moses. He came out of, um, he was, you know, you know I'm not going to go through the whole story, but he had some insecurities. He couldn't even speak well. He didn't want to speak, right? God chose him anyway. Um, here's one of my favorites, Rahab. You guys remember the story of Rahab? Rahab the? Prostitute. She was a prostitute. God used her, right? Her faith. Um, Gideon. Gideon is the guy who hid. He says, oh, I don't want to do that. I can't do this, Lord. And what did, God, what did God call him? 
the person who was afraid, who doubted God, he called him a mighty warrior. He saw him, saw his glory. He saw how God made him. God, God looks at us and sees us how he made us and the glory intended for us, right? He saw Gideon just like that. Um, I love this story, the story of Ruth. That's a beautiful, how many of you guys know that story of Ruth? If you don't, go read it. It's how God redeemed. Ruth, can you believe it? She wasn't even a Hebrew. She wasn't even Jewish. She was a foreigner, right? She got redeemed by Jesus. She got pulled into the family of God, and she became King David's grandmother, or great-great-grandmother, right? Something like that, right? Which means she became the great-grandmother of a king, the, the, one of the first kings of, of the Israelite nation, which means she's in the, a descendant of Jesus. She's in the line of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? God taking these nobodies and, putting, and making them somebodies. Um, Esther, um, David, of course, King David, right? The, 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 the young boy who killed Goliath. Um, and in the New Testament, we have Peter, right? Peter was what? What was his occupation? He was a fisherman. He was an ordinary guy. Um, actually, in Acts, when he finally, you know, came into his calling, right? Um, in Acts, it actually says that that the council, when he was preaching to the council, who was trying to kill him, basically, they said they were amazed and astounded that these ordinary men, Peter and John, these ordinary men would talk with such boldness and knew the scriptures. They were astounded by them, these ordinary guys, okay? Um, I'll name some guys you might know. How many guys know Pastor Mike Kai? Kai's <laughs> all, I do, I know him. I hope you know him. Um, Pastor Mike Kai, I mean, this guy years back was a single parent with a daughter, and it's like, what do I do now? What do, what, do I, what do I do with my life? I need to find God. Who would have thought this guy would have become a pastor of the fastest growing church in, on the island? Pastor Mike Kai, great. How many of you guys know Pastor uh, Guy Capelliella? Right? Seriously, the guy like literally terrorized Kailua, right? The guy most likely to end up in jail. Sorry, guy. If you're listening to this, I don't, he doesn't listen to me. <laughs> um, that he most likely ended up in jail and he ended up a pastor saving lives in Kailua, right? I mean, and, and these are, I'm saying these people, these pastors, because these people are, are, are people that you might know, but how many guys are sitting next to someone that God has transformed and redeemed? Amen. I mean, we're sitting in a room full of people that, that God has redeemed, changed the lives of us. Come on, you, like you are one of them. You're going, whoa, wow. Remember where I used to be? God is, is in the business of redeeming and transforming. Let me tell you, if you don't believe that, well, then stick around this church and see what happens. See what happens to Tasha. I mean, go to a camp. Go to the, one of the events. Get into a mini church. Get involved. See how the power of God, go to the prayer and healing service. I mean, get yourself out there and going, you know what? I want some of that transforming power. I want some of that redeeming uh, power that, that Jesus has. But let's go to 1 Corinthians. And uh, we're reading again in 1 Corinthians. Paul's continu continuing um, his, his letter to the Corinthian church. And in verse 18, he's building this argument of what I'm calling God chooses the nobodies. And, and so when, I read, re, when we read this, you're going to be like, well, what's the point of this? Well, it's building up to, to Paul's point. And so in verse 18 of chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, let's, let's read that. It says, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we are being saved 
We who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of the world look foolish since God in his wisdom saw it um, saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish, preach, foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven and is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. Okay, so here. There's a lot of people, right, that, that think the gospel, the cross, the message of Jesus Christ is foolish. Now let's, let's take a poll here. How many guys know somebody, not you? <laughs> You're in church like, I think it's foolish, Tom. No. <laughs> How many of you guys know somebody that thinks that? That the gospel is foolish? Raise your hand real high. Let's go save them, huh? Let's go talk to them and let's share the gospel and, and prove the gospel with them. Not in a debative way. Let's show them the power of God. Imagine how those hands coming to church and going, wow, I used to not believe and now I do because the power of God proved me wrong. Um, Paul kind of brings up two people here, two types of people. He says there's two types. There's the, well, he, the example of the Jews, right? Um, they were the ones that would only believe if it, if it was um, undeniably proven to them, right? Remember when the Jews were going after Jesus? Like, hey, Jesus, do a sign, do a miraculous sign so that you can prove your authority. Then I will believe. And Jesus is like, no, I'm not going to do that. You believe by faith, right? So there's one side where people believe if you prove it to them. It's like, oh, yeah, I believe in God. Show me some real hard facts. Show me some proof, and then I'll believe, right? Well, then, sorry, that, that ain't faith, right? We're here because we, we you know, and, and blessed are those who haven't even seen Jesus, and they still believe, right? That's what it says in the Word, right? It says, blessed are those who haven't seen me and still believe, Right? And that's us because, right, we haven't walked with Jesus. He's telling his disciples this, but we, we believe because, whoa, God died for my sins. He forgives my sins. Right, right on. Shoots, I'll believe that. Bam. But these guys were saying, no, I want proof, right? So there's one side. You know, people, if you rose your hand, there's some, some of those guys going, yeah, you got to prove it to me. Okay? The other side is, uh, you was saying the Greeks, right? The Greeks are, are people who put human wisdom and capability above God's which means they kind of like going, whoa, we have a lot of logic and look, how, look, look at our brains. Look, we can, we can move a stick <laughs> and, and use tools. We're smart, you know? And, and so basically the human uh, capability is probably maybe above or up on par with this so-called God of yours. We can, we can figure this out. We can do it on our own. Um, there's a lot of people like this, right? They're saying, you, dude, we're human. Woo! We're men, Right? Um, I had a friend like this in college, and he was, I mean, he was a really good friend of mine, and there was one time we actually got into a, a discussion. It wasn't an argument. I was trying, we weren't arguing with each other, and I was just sharing my faith. I'm all, I believe in Jesus, and he was really smart. He was in school. He was studying, like, anthropology and all that and the history of the world. And he's all, yeah, you know, like, civilizations, they always think of a God because, you know, that's how they cope with reality and, you know, all this. And so I kept on telling him, no, the gospel, like, God is real, real. And he kept on going, yeah, good for you. Good for you. That, that's how man works. That's how the, the mind of, of, of humans work, right? And I couldn't win. I mean, he was just so logical. He was just like, no, humans, our, our brain is great. Humans are awesome, you know? Um, and that was impossible. And I, I was, you know, trying, but it didn't work. 
Um, those are pe- there are people like that. How many of you guys know people like that? Right? I mean, there is, okay? Um, to, the, to the world, the gospel is, is a crutch. It's, it's for the weak-minded. Uh, like I said before, it's man's coping mechanism to deal with the reality of life. Um, and honestly, let's be really, really honest here. Doesn't the gospel story, doesn't the story of the cross seem kind of ridiculous? I mean, think about it. God decides to become man. Then he gets killed by man to save man. That's stupid, right? That's like, you know, if you were, if you, look, if you just look at it and go, that is so, you're God. Wouldn't you rule over your people, right? You're God. You can do anything you want. It's ridiculous to them, right? It's, it's, it's a matter of perception, right? And in 2 Corinthians 2 uh, verse 15, it says this, our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God, but this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. It's kind of interesting, right? This fragrance, the same fragrance that is going up, this Christ-like fragrance. The people who are saved go, oh, that's awesome, there's hope. The people who aren't saved, who don't believe, they go, oh, that stinks, right? Um, my grandma, who is in heaven right now, <laughs> she's with Jesus, awesome. Um, she made the best ponsit. We got some ponsit lovers, all right, okay? And seriously, to, to, uh, my, uh, the honest truth is, is I've been chasing after that quality, that standard of pancit for my whole life, is that my grandma is the, is the golden rule of pancit. I mean, it's just like, whoa, that's the, that's the top notch. I've been like, sorry, Dad, if you're here. You make a pretty good one. It's number two, but it's not as good as grandma's. Um, but the, the awesome thing about uh, my grandma making her pancit, she would like, she would spend all day making it. I mean, it would be all, an all-day affair. She would have to go to Chinatown, right? I, I would have to catch the bus with her. She would have to, like, carry me because I've fallen asleep. She has all the ingredients in her hands. Uh, she's making pancit, and there's one point, I don't know what it was. It was either bugaong or fermented something. Um, she'd be cooking it, and it stunk. I, I mean, it, it filled up the whole house. I swear it went through the whole neighborhood. I'm just like, it was something died. I mean, it was awful. And so growing up, I would smell this smell. You know what I, you know what I, when I smelled it, I was like, ooh, pancits are coming. <laughs> I like had hope. I was like, ooh, you know, that's awesome. I know what she's cooking up. I'm ready for later on. I'm eating pancit, right? It was, it was hopeful. It was like, I love the smell, right? But any of my friends that came over, it's like, you're eating that? <laughs> what? Right? It's a matter of perception, right? For us, right, the cross, which is ugly. Jesus dying on the cross is an ugly event. How many of you guys saw the passion? That's just an inkling of what really happened, right? It's an ugly event. The world looks at it and goes, whoa, that's just gross. To me, that's hope. That's Jesus giving up his life. He's, right, my favorite line in the passion, which is in the scriptures, by the way, is, look, mom, I'm, I'm making every, all things new. When I look at Jesus, he's making my life new. He's redeeming me. He's changing me. He's transforming. He's doing all these things. That's what he did on the cross. So the world they look at it and it's fool. It look look at it. It's foolish, but I want to tell you one thing. It is not foolishness. And I, and I, I know maybe some of you guys here. Uh, maybe I, I named some of you guys before. Maybe some of you are like, prove it to me, or what? Humans, we're we're awesome. We know more than God. Maybe you are sitting right here and, and you 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 came with a friend. And you're you're going to check out this Christianity thing, and uh, I kind of want to speak to you and go. You know what? The gospel is not foolish. 
It is the very power of God. There's people in this room that have been healed of cancer. There's people in this room that, ha- that used to be um, addicted to drugs or substance abuse and are set free right now. One of them is sitting right there and he's in charge of the people that he ministers to the people of substance abuse. He got redeemed and restored and he's healing people, right? God is using him. There's people like, like Tasha that, that suffered sexual abuse or, or abuse in the family, right? And then you're not talking about it, but Christ has redeemed you and set you free. There's people sitting right here that all this has happened, okay? Let me, let me read you one scripture um, in Luke 4, 18, one of my favorite scriptures, just famous, famous uh, most favorite moment in the Bible is when Jesus was on earth and he stood in the Nazarene temple and he was proclaiming why he came. He was proclaiming his purpose on earth, why he came. He stood up in the temple and he started reading Isaiah, a prophecy. And, it, and he read this. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and the time of the Lord's favor has come. This is Jesus proclaiming why he came, right? Let me, let me, he, bring to, to, he brought it to the poor. He, he brought it to proclaim the captives will be released, to, to make the blind see, the oppressed will set free. And let me tell you this, he did every single one of these things and is still doing it. He is still doing it to this day. He's setting people free. He's setting the captives, the strongholds of sin. He's breaking the chains off of people right now as we speak in this room, maybe even during worship. He's doing it. And I'm telling you, if the gospel is foolishness, then I'm going I'm to follow that foolishness. I'm going to believe with all my heart because I've seen it before my very eyes, the transforming and redeeming quality of Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? The, the, the gospel is real. And I know I'm preaching, I'm hoping I'm preaching to the choir. If not, make Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ your savior tonight. <laughs> Accept him and go, you know what? I want to, I want to, I want to believe that. Uh, he's still doing it. Let's go down to 1 Corinthians um, 1 verse 23. Pause, right? He's still, we're, we're on this argument, right? God, God chooses the nobodies. And so he's talking about the people who think the gospel is foolish. Well, he's continuing in verse 23. He says, so when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense, right? That's what we just talked about. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Verse 25, this foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakest weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. This is an amazing verse. You gotta grasp with this verse, right? He's saying the foolish plan of God, right? The worst plan of God, the worst idea of God is here. The best idea of any human, the best invention, Steve Jobs, iPhone, whatever it is, is over here. The best plan of the human is right here. The worst is God. You guys getting me? We're in a plane where, you know what? Humans cannot compare. God created this earth. He created you and me, right? We have to have this perspective. We, we really do. Um, and you know what? The, the, the problem is us believers, us Christians, we can slip and, and, and kind of fall into a place where we actually don't believe this. I've actually been there. 
You know, I mean, come on, right? The, the whole attitude of, yeah, I can do this without you, God. Right, let's be honest here, right? We, we've been here. We can slip into this attitude of, of, of independence, that I'm not depending on the Lord anymore, right? I come to church. Yeah, I go to mini church. Yeah, I worship him, but I'm, you know, I, I take care of myself. You know, you know, there's a lot of, right, the, the American ingenuity, right? It's like, let's just do it, let's, you know? Right? And we believe in ourselves. We, we, we kind of build this thing where we, we're alone and we don't need God. I can do it, you know? Um, here's one of my theories, and this is, I don't know how true this is, but uh, one of the, my theories about Japan. Why is it so hard to preach the gospel in Japan? Why is it that there's only less than 1% Christians in Japan? You look at the whole world, China, everywhere else, the, the gospel is booming. Why? What's the problem? And I, every time I go to Japan, I see a lot of people who are well off. They've, they make some great inventions. I mean, they have chopsticks that like cool your ramen off. I mean, come, they think of everything. Come on. So they think of everything. They have everything. They don't need anything. They don't need God. There's, there's, no, there's nothing to depend on. There's no, nothing outside of them. That's why and I'm not saying that God sent the, the tsunami, but I'm, I'm, I'm positive which you've seen with Pastor Rob Plummer, I'm positive that God is using this tsunami to, to break the chains of the material world of Japan so that people go, you know what? I need something bigger than what I have now. Are you hearing me? And for a lot of us, I think we can fall into this realm where here's God's wisdom and here's my wisdom and we kind of go, you know? And it's subtle, guys. Seriously, it's subtle. I want to, I want to, I want to warn you guys because I've been there where it's like, oh, I, I got my own wisdom. I got, I've, I got my smarts. And you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you are smart and have a lot of savvy and like and can live this life. And and then the reality and the hardships. I mean, you can, yeah, I can power right through it. But I'm telling you, God's wisdom is over here. And a lot of times we want to stick in our own realm. It's because so we think we can do a better job, and we never let God do the miraculous. We never let God do the weird thing that, like, you're crazy, God. And then when we do it, it's like, oh, yeah, that worked. Right? I, I mean, and sometimes we, we slip, and I know some people. I'm not going to name any names, and I'm, I was one of them. I remember I slipped out there. But I, I've, I've, I've seen people live in this realm where they think their human wisdom is greater than God's. And it's, I look at them, and they come to church, and they love God, but they make all their decisions, and they live in anxiety. They, they live in depression. They live, they live worried all the time. Um, I, 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 know, don't, I know some people that don't look so good. I don't know about you guys. I don't want to live my life like that. Let me tell you from experience, it's so much better depending on the living Savior, Amen. knowing that he is, will take care of you, that he knows better, that he has a bigger plan. And my, 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 I guess my challenge to you is, do you value wisdom so much, the wisdom of God, that you depend on him? Yeah. Or are you living independent of him? I mean, what on the spectrum, if you're fully dependent on, right? A lot of the songs we sing, God, I surrender, I stand, right? I surrender all to you. We say that we are dependent, but are we? And what part of the spectrum are you? Are you living independent of God and you say hi to him now and then? We're kind of in the middle, like some, for some things I depend on him and some things I don't. When Jesus said follow, he said give up your life for me. Amen. Hold your life, you will lose it. Let it go and then you will gain it, right? Um, you have to, you have to um, 
you have to come to the point where God, God's ways is higher than your ways. You have to come to the realization that he is up here, that your best plans can only go up here and it hits the ceiling and can never go. And let me tell you, when you do that, when you make that switch, you will live differently. You will. And for some of you, you're like, oh yeah, I'll take that. So you will find yourself living differently. I don't know how that's gonna look in your life, but you will live in faith. You will trust in God. You will give everything to him. You have more passion. Seriously, I, I've seen people give their life. They just have more passion. Why? Because God is influxing in, in, in his plan into their lives and they're putting it into action and they're just like, whoa, what's going on here? There's life. God has such a plan for you. And then when we, we kind of stand back and go, you know what? I value wisdom. I value God's plan. Well, then I'm going to take it up. In 1 Corinthians 3.18, it says, stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you're wise by the world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. I think it's amazing scripture. Um, I want to read you another scripture, and it's kind of long, so bear with me, but I was reading Job this week, and this one really, really hit me about God's wisdom, right? In Job 28, verse 12, it says, but do people know where to find wisdom? Where can they find understanding? No one knows where to find it, for it is not found among the living. It is not here, says the ocean, nor it is here, says the sea. It cannot be bought with gold. It cannot be purchased with silver. It's more, worth, more than all the gold of Ophir, greater than precious onyx or lapis lazuli. Wisdom is more valuable than gold and crystal. It cannot be purchased with jewels mounted in fine gold. Coral and jasper are worthless in trying to get it. The price of wisdom is far above rubies. Precious perdot from um, Ethiopia cannot be exchanged for it. It's worth more than the purest gold. But do people know where to find wisdom? Where can they find understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all humanity, even the sharp eyes. Birds in the sky cannot discover it. Destruction and death say, we've heard only rumors of where wisdom can be found. Verse 23, and here's the one. God alone understands the way to wisdom. He knows where it can be found. Amen. Do you guys get the point? <laughs> I mean, Job is trying to hit home something really, really hard here, and I guess I am too, is, you know what? Don't live here, live here. God's wisdom and your wisdom. You have to. You have to live dependent on him. Um, do you value God's wisdom? Do you believe that he sees the bigger picture? And I'm gonna go back to last week's teaching. Do you trust him to say no to the good things and to the God things? Do you trust him that much? Is he there and are you here? Uh, verse 26 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you are wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring nothing uh, to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Jesus Christ. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. He freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Now look at this scripture. And how many guys have ever, um, you know, you ever got a compliment or an encouraging word from somebody, but it was like laced with like biting truth? And so you're like, you're not sure if you got a compliment or like a put down. Like any, it's like, Tom, you're really good at basketball for someone that's really short. 
really good. Yeah, athletic, you know, a little, little jump you got, a little jump. You know? You know, how many guys have ever experienced that? It's like, oh, are you complimenting me? You jerk. You know? What the, the what is that? You know? Um, well, Paul's kind of doing that right here. He's kind of saying, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy. He's like, what are you, what are you saying? And he's saying, because God redeemed you. God took you from the pit. He's basically going, he's, he's kind of a, a, a reality check. He's all, remember where you were? Remember where God came, took you from, pulled you out of? Remember that. Remember that pit, that pit of hell, that muddy clay that you're sinking in, right? Remember that. Well, God pulled you out of that. And it's a reality check, right? And Paul's doing that. He's like, dear brother, remember that? Um, and and who, who, who's, he, who's Paul talking to? He's talking to every single person, which including us, has been transformed, has been taken out of the pit, and our feet put on solid ground and go, whoa, our God is good. Our God is amazing. Our God is a living God and a powerful God, and he is not foolish. And I believe that, right? He's talking to every single one of us. He's like, you know what? Look at you. Remember where God pulled you out of. I like the message version of that verse. I'm going to read that. Uh, verse 26. This is the message version. And it says, like, it says this. It says, take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you. <laughs> not many influential. Not many from high society families, families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women, women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses? Choose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. Isn't that awesome? He chose these nobodies. Right? What does it say? I, I don't want to. Uh, to expose the hollow pretensions of the people who think they know, right? The wise people of this world, I have human wisdom, right? I have enough wealth, I have enough material, right? God chose us, right? To, to, to put the walls down, right? To, to, to cut the legs of their arguments. That's an amazing thing. And here's one of the one things that I'm, I'm really passionate about this week. <laughs> And I actually, Kanani mentioned it, and I want to remind you guys what she said, is that God is chasing after you. Amen. God is absolutely chasing after you. And you're going, I'm a nobody. Yeah, that's what I just said. <laughs> I have nothing to offer. God doesn't love me. I have no skills. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I can't pray like Kanani. I can't speak like Tom. I don't play guitar. I have nothing to offer. Great. Awesome. I just proved that God wants you, right? God absolutely wants you and is chasing after you. Now, I, I absolutely believe this because God has reminded me this week. Um, something incredible happened this week. And um, how many guys remember um, the story that, of Charlie, um, Charlie Mixon when he ran into that woman at McDonald's? How many guys remember that? Right? I don't know. I forget what the whole story was all about. But he was talking to some woman at McDonald's for some reason. And, oh, she was really blessed by what we did at the Thanksgiving thing. And so uh, the woman wrote Charlie this wonderful note of, like, thank you, Hope Chapel family, for doing all that. Great job, guys. All right. Um, 
So I guess the story has actually gone along, and actually Charlie sees this woman like every almost every other day or something like that. They they eat breakfast together now, and so they're they're become friends. And on Tuesday morning, Charlie ate with her again at McDonald's, and Charlie came to staff, and he's talking about and. And what he said was, well, I was eating breakfast with this woman, and, and she was saying, um, can you go visit my son who's in the state hospital? Right? I'm like, oh, okay, great. And, you know, Charlie's telling this story, and he's telling it, talking in his country accent. I'm like, oh, that's great, awesome. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then he mentions the name of the kid that's in the, um, in, the, in the state hospital. I know the kid. He actually came to this church. He actually got saved in this church and was part of our youth group. And so I'm like, what, who, what, what did you say? Oh, yeah, this guy, la, 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 ma. I know him. We, uh, there's a whole bunch of us that actually know him, right? And so I was at lunch, and Charlie was like, hey, you want to go visit him? I'm all, shoot, let's go. Let's go visit him. And so I'm going to the state hospital. How many of you guys have ever been to the state hospital? Okay, don't, don't raise your hand. <laughs> I have, I've been um, visiting, sorry. I, I went to go visit. I, I, I went there a while ago, and there wasn't like, you know, security and fences, dude, they got stuff. Man, this is like, whoa, I had security guards. I had to go through the, mm, I had to press the code in, and the gate opens up. I'm just like, whoa, this is heavy duty, right? I had to meet someone on the other side. They had to open up another gate, right? Um, and then on the way up, I was with um, the, the, the woman, and she was saying, you know, I've been praying for this to happen. I've been praying for someone to visit my son. And I was like, okay, cool. And so it was only me and Charlie, because only could, uh, two of us could go at a time. And I was walking up the stairs, and I was asking God, I'm like, God, what do you want me to say? I don't even know what to say. It's like, hey, you're here. <laughs> like, what, what am I supposed to say? Right? And I just felt the Holy Spirit just impress him. He's like, I'm chasing after him right now. I'm going after him. I'm answering her, um, his mother's prayer. I'm chasing after him. He, is a, he loves God. And I remember, I was thinking of all the memories I had with this kid. Uh, him at camp, raising his hands, loving Jesus Christ with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength, and worshiping him. I'm like, I remember, I had these pictures running through my head. And I, and I remember just going, walking up to the door of the guy, the, the security guard, pressed the thing, the thing opened, there he was. And I was like, whoa, hey, what's up, man? And I gave him a hug, and we sat down. And we're just talking, and, and Charlie was sharing the story of how we all got up there. And I, I just like, man, I, I told him what I, I believe that God told me. It's like, God's, dude, God's chasing after you, man. God remembers you loving God. He remembers how you used to worship him, and he's chasing after you. I'm just telling you that right now. It looks right into his eyes. And he says, God, he, God sent us to say to you, he loves you. I absolutely, I'm like, here I am. I felt privileged to be there. I'm like, wow, cool. I, I get to tell this to him. And he was kind of confessing. He's like, you know what? Yeah, you know what? I, I went through, I've been going through a hard time, and I've been pushing God away. I'm like, don't do it anymore. God's chasing after you. Don't push God away anymore. He's like, yeah, yeah, okay. So I prayed for him. We prayed for him. Me and Charlie prayed for him, and then we left. And here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing that bugs me is that that all happened, and that was a miraculous thing, and that's a great story and all. But, but I'm like, oh, I almost said his name. The guy. The guy can choose not to worship God anymore. He can go, oh, that was great. That was just a fluke, though. And he can choose to say, oh, God's all right, but I'm, I'm, I, I, know, I can handle this. He, he can still do that. 
but God chased them out after him anyway, right? God sent us in there anyway, right? Uh-huh. Right? Yep. So that he can choose and go, you know what? Now you can't escape me. You can't escape me. I was there. Remember that? I'm, hey, knocking on the door here. Remember you used to worship me? You used to love me? I am chasing after you. Right now you, are dis- you think you're discarded. You think you're forgotten. You're locked up over here. You've been here for months. You've been trying to get out. I am here. I am after you. Come, come after me. I will get you out of this. I will get you through this. And you will shine my glory. Amen. I absolutely believe that for that kid. Seriously, I do. And for you, for the challenge for us, the challenge for us is, is that we would value God's wisdom, that we would live in a plane where God is here and we're here, right? Not the opposite around, right? You gotta move that back up there and go, God, you are, you are higher than my, my ways. Your love is, is greater than my love. I wanna live dependent on you, not independent. And then the, the second challenge is that know that God deliberately chose you. You have no excuse now. He's chasing after you. Even though you feel useless and forgotten, with no gifts, no nothing, guess what? God is chasing after the nobodies to disprove the somebodies out there because he wants to use you. Amen? Amen. All right, let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, I want to, uh, first of all, pray for my friend in the state hospital, God. This is awesome because we get to pray for him as a church, Lord. I pray that you would um, deliver him out of there, God. But as he is there, Father God, I pray that he would be a Joseph, that he would be a worshiper of you, and that he would shine so brightly in there. Father God, you have a purpose and a plan way beyond my plan that I would think. Lord, maybe you have a purpose for him in there, Lord. I, I pray that he'd lift your hands like I've seen him do many times to you and go, you are my God, you are my Savior, I give you my all. You, you've chased after me, and I pray that you would come to the place, God, that you would restore his mind, restore his life, and that he would shout your praises. I pray for him, Lord. Be, I pray for protection and safety in there, God. But for all of us here, I pray that we would be people that would have the right perspective, Lord. For every single person here, that we would have the right perspective about you, that, you would, that we would know that you are higher than our thoughts, that you are far above our best inventions, our best plans, our best laid out, programs, that you're far above that, that your bigger picture is way bigger than the, pic- the picture that we see. Lord, Father God, fix our perspective, Lord Jesus. And Father God, for any of us here are thinking, Lord, I am useless. I am forgotten. God doesn't even love me. I cast those lies out in Jesus' precious name. You have called the nobodies. You have called us because you have a special purpose for us. Every single one of us who call you Lord. Once we do that, your Holy Spirit in us, your power through us can do such amazing things, Lord. And I pray that would happen, God. I want to say another prayer. I want to say a prayer to anyone here that no longer calls the gospel foolish, but calls it the very power of God. If you are sitting here and you've never made that decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, to call him friend, to tell him that that he died on the cross for you and you believe it with all your heart. And because he died on the cross for you, you are forgiven of sin, that you have eternal life, that you are called a child of God. You are born again Christian. If 
you've never made that decision, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now tonight. Do not lose this opportunity. Tell him right now, I am so sorry. But I want to come to you right now. I give you my life. I lay my life down. Because your plan is bigger than my plan. You're telling Jesus that. If you want to tell Jesus that tonight, I want to say a prayer with you, but I want you to tell me that you're going to be praying. Really simply, I'm going to clap, I'm going to clap my hand when I count to three, and when I do that, just raise your hand and say that you want to become a Christian tonight. Here we go. On three. One, two, three. Does anybody want that? Raise your hand right now. One, two, three. Anybody else? Four. Anybody else? Five, six. Anybody else? Anybody else in the house? I want to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Awesome. Six hands put down. Say this prayer like it's your very own. Lord Jesus, I come before you right now. I am so sorry that I've ignored you, that I've called your gospel foolish, but no longer your gospel, your, the message of the cross is the very power of God. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you gave your life for me. You shed your blood for me. That because of that, there's forgiveness, forgiveness of sin, eternal life. I'm a child of God. You're my Lord, my Savior, my friend, my King, my High Priest that has forgiven me. I praise you. I love you. Walk with me for the rest of my life until I see you face to face in heaven. We love you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen.